going on guys my name is bobby stone and i'm here with tommy i win way too many championships deandrea and we are bringing to you our first inaugural episode of dynasty logics so welcome tommy i'm excited about this uh about this show because both you and i are huge dynasty fans uh differences this is one of the reasons why we're we're at this point you win a ton of championships, and I've been winning my redrafts and do pretty well in daily. And you know, Dynasty is 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 the last of the Mohegans for me, and I am trying to uh, trying to build up a uh, a championship roster. Um, and I think I'm I'm on the beginning legs, and that has a lot to do with some of our conversations. But. Uh, I think it's really the crux of why we're doing this, right? So all of our conversations kind of led us to this point where you've got years of knowledge. What's it, 10, 15 years of knowledge that you have in Dynasty alone? Six, seven, uh, close to 17 years of just complete randomness of stuff I've tried and stuff that I've worked on and stuff that's worked out. The first thing we're going to do... Is like we're not going to drop too many big words. Like Bobby is not going to drop huge words all day long on people. Steve laughing. But yeah, and, and and you know you know what's funny about that is what you just said is the perfect is the perfect building block for being a dynasty champion because that whole redraft and keeper league winning titles in those leagues is a little bit easier to do when you do dynasty because you know a little bit deeper than everyone else you have advantage because you know rookies you know guys beyond it's a good building block but the downfall with that is you get to a point where i'm at where i'm almost like atrocious in like a redraft and like keeper leagues i mean i I win my share i win enough of them but like the joy isn't there because it's just all you do is draft like all it's based on is drafting and then maybe pick up a free agent here or there, and you get random, and it's matchups. That's the big difference is, like, redrafting keeper. Every week you're looking at team matchups. Oh, I got this guy on the bench. I can play this guy. In Dynasty, you rarely have a matchup situation because you don't have those bench players to be able to sit, you know, like a Mike Evans because he's playing against the Rams this week. Like, who has that luxury? Well, I do, but I'm a rare anomaly, and I still wouldn't do that. Tommy, you are a rare anomaly, and I've seen the uh, the championship process you've built over the years, and uh, we have one in particular. Uh, and Tommy, I'm going to ask you a little about the league in a minute, but um, are actually multiple leagues that you're in. But what I what I have really been enamored with throughout the years is not only how good the rosters are but how you continue to redevelop your rosters. Right. And um, Tommy, I, I got a question for you just to give uh, some, the listeners kind of a more of a background of 
what our leagues look like. So if you want to go over the format real quick, what are they looking at? These are uh, so these are full dynasty rosters, offense, full IDP. Um, we use my fantasy leagues, which is by far the best dynasty site I find out there. Um, so Oz is a little bit different from everyone else's more standard. Um, it can be used as a super flex because we play two quarterbacks, three running backs, four wide receivers, two tight ends. That's the tough part about the offense. Those two quarterbacks and the two tight ends are tough. Now, mind you, it is a 10-team league because realistically, it's a lot more randomness and kind of headache to play in a bigger league with a two-quarterback league with that little. Um, and the IDP is is very similar on the other side of the ball. I mean, you know, we play the kicker in there, the 2D tackles, which a lot of people don't like, but you got to play them. Take up roster spots. The two defensive ends, the four linebackers are obviously huge, the two corners, and the two safeties. You play a full roster. I mean, realistically, our, our dynasty leagues is set up for people who will never be in the NFL but want to be a GM. That's basically what it is. You're running a full off both sides of the ball. Um, they're non-contract leagues, so you don't have to deal with that. But you got to look long-term and short-term. Like, you got to look both. And it's funny you said that about, you know, me staying on top because for years, every year, oh, don't worry, your roster's going to get old. You're going to die. You're going to drop off. These guys, and I've lost guys. Like, I, I, I've had, you know, Jamal Charles in my roster, McCoy, Peterson. Everyone's like, oh, that's it. You're, you're all done. And I just slowly like reload at the back end, like slip the guy in here or there. Like, okay, well, while I'm winning titles, I also have the ability to rebuild and look beyond. And that's the key difference when people get to a point where your team is really good and you win a title, guys get a little greedy and guys make big moves. We've seen it in our league. I've seen it where guys get itchy and guys either don't win after getting to a title shot a couple of years or guys win a title and then make a bunch of trades they didn't have to make. And you don't have to really do that if you fill it on the back end. So, Tommy, yeah. I've been on the other side where I've gone all out for multiple years to try to get to a championship, got the team to a championship roster and fell short. Um, but right after that, I ended up blowing up that roster. Um, and that was because I had a couple of guys who were aging out and I was looking to, um, looking to rebuild. Um, now, let me so let me ask you this. When you talk about selling out for a title, right? It, 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 so you're talking about multiple <laughs> trades to try to win now, knowing that if you don't, or if you do, even if you do win, that your roster might suffer a couple of years afterwards. That is that what you're talking about by what you say selling out for a title? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And and, and that was where I um I was I didn't put much stock into the draft. I actually uh one of the things that I put a little more emphasis on was um trading, which funny thing about dynasty is 
I personally, when I first came in, um, you know, I talked to you. I was like, man, I've never really been a big trade guy. And uh, 80%, what was the first? 80% of new owners who get in leagues from other leagues because you're not used to trading. You don't in keeper leagues and redrafts, like you don't have to trade. Maybe you trade, maybe make a trade once a year, but you don't have to trade. Guys always say that. But yeah, you realize like there's no choice. Like guys who say that, I said, okay, either, either you're going to be out of this league in a year, year and a half, or you're going to realize, oh, I need to make a move. Like I have to trade. Like there's no other way around this. And that's where I got really greedy and got to the point where I said, you know what? I am damn close. I just need one more guy. And then one more guy became another one more guy. And what ended up happening was I ended up putting my future on the burner, on the back burner, and and really uh, hindered my roster. Um, granted, with a couple of quick moves, I've made a nice little recovery, and I'll be nice and competitive within the next year. But, um, you know, to sell out, I, that was only one season. And, um, it's, it's, you know, it was it's, this. It's, 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 I'll, actually, I'll actually stop you right there, and I'll tell you something even funnier about that. In all my years in Dynasty, right, I've never, ever – this is why I was asking you what your definition of sellout is, right? I've never seen a team who sold out to win a title actually win a title. I came damn one. close, though. I, 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 <laughs> well, I've seen that. I mean, I've seen people play me in the in the finals and have you know, you know, I barely win by like five points, like come super close. We've seen teams, right? I mean, in in that Grand Slam league you're talking about, like it was like three years in a row where guys kind of like sold out to come get me and they made the finals and they were competitive and they lost in the finals. All three of those teams did not make the playoffs the next couple of years, not one year afterwards, like a couple of years they were out of the playoff picture. Like in that, so that, I mean, that's the key balance. And honestly, that's the biggest thing that I've been able to do to stay on top. I've never sold out to win a title. And all my titles were like 16 titles and three leagues and not even in the beginning. 15 years. I've never sold out. Never nope. Never sold out. First year I was ever in Dynasty, I got lucky enough and I backdoored I backdoored the a playoff spot with a garbage with the third worst team in the league. And I so so this this whole podcast, if you're looking for conversations about, you know the guy or a litany of guys to go pick up. I don't necessarily know if that's going to be what we're all about is trying to pick up specific guys, but I do know one thing that this is going to be great conversation about dynasty strategy all the way through and just different ideas and different tactics on how to what build a championship roster, You know, pick your yeah, you know what? It, it's to build a championship roster, but I think people have that misconception of where, and that's where your point about selling out, and that's why I'm telling you, like those teams that sell out, never they're not good for a couple of years. Like the idea is to have a roster that's good enough, and we've seen in that league, like guys who are really good, right? But they haven't won a title for a couple of years, right? But they make the playoffs three, four years in a row. Those guys have have won titles in the last couple of years. 
right? Those because those guys were really good. So all they needed was one step. So to me, they weren't selling out because maybe they made one trade or two trades, but they were already a playoff team like three years in a row. Like they were always like right there. They just couldn't get over the hump. Well, I can say they couldn't get over me, right? And then they did. They took that little next step, and then they got there. But they didn't have to sell out because they were already a playoff team. They were already a, a really good team, not for one year, for like two years, for three. They were always a really, really good. And we have a couple of those guys who are really good, and they and they make finals, and they and they lose just a little bit. They just need a little bit more, and then once either they get lucky or Whatever it is, they, they they hit on a draft pick, they hit on a free agent, and that one little move, two little moves, puts you over the edge. I mean, that's honestly like the best way to describe it when people talk about selling out for a title. It, it, unless you're a real good playoff team, there's no way you're going to make that jump from a fringe playoff team to making a title shot unless you get lucky. I mean, so so let's talk about those owners who actually figured out a way, because this was one of the anomaly years for you, where a lot of owners ended up winning in some of these leagues, and that was because they, something a little bit different, right? They they made one extra trade, they made one extra pickup, or, well, the adverse, right, is, is luck. And guys getting injured. You know, injuries were huge this year. Well, I was going to say, th- this year is a completely different walkout. I mean, I'm not going to blame the end of my title run, that eight-in-a-row title run. I'm not going to blame the fact that I had six top 20 receivers and four of them were dead. That's happens. So I think those guys did exactly what I said. They always had really good rosters. And, you know, either they – you know, caught me in a good week or I, I was bad. And those guys have something that I don't have. See, when I talk about, when you talk about players, like, yeah, we'll talk about players in this podcast. We'll mention players we like. There's guys I don't like. There's, and there's guys I'm wrong on. And it's funny because the guys who end up beating me are usually the guys who have players that I was wrong on, like a guy I didn't like. Like So, name, name one. Acres. I didn't like Acres. Right? I didn't yep. like Acres. I was, I was, I was wrong when he played. He was good. I was wrong. I was totally wrong about Acres. Absolutely, hundred percent. And Montgomery, another guy. Right. And by the way, the same owner has Montgomery's another guy. Right. I was dead wrong. Right. And that owner had those players, and that's kind of what got him to there, because those guys clicked at the right time, and he saw something that I didn't see, and I didn't like those guys. I mean, that's kind of what happens on the fifty-fifty. I mean, some guys don't like guys. Some guys do. And, well, I know that one of my one of my trades or tricks of the trade was to where everybody else is zigging, I tried zagging. Uh, but what ended up happening was I got a little too cute even for myself, where I was picking up guys that might have been, you know, best of the litter in a category that may not be getting me as many points instead of getting one of the next best running backs of wide receivers who within the year ended up taking a roster spot and uh, and outperforming the guy that I got too cute with. Are we talking, so, are we talking about straight free agents that you just randomly picking up? 
No, uh, actually, uh, I think it was the draft. The draft. The so, random. draft is random, but but to what degree is it random? I mean, no. I guess the drafts obviously it's going to be coming up, and this is the time of the year where we really start to dive in because the off season is really dynasty. That's that's your bread and butter. This is what you work for. This is what you're putting in the heavy workload up front to get to the beginning of the season, right? This so the, This is the fun you have. This is where you can explore every option in the world, and if you make a mistake, you have months to make up for it, and another move leads to another move. This is where it's fun. I mean, uh, 90, what is it? I think it, it's, a, it's, I would estimate 90%, and that's probably light, of our trades in our dynasty league happen in the offseason. Right? And they happen between now and like July. August, like that's it. I mean, after the end of July, the numbers drop drastically because guys are gung ho. Guys will make lots of moves in the off season because everyone's in, everyone's still alive, everyone's excited, you know. And it, that's the great part. You can do multiple moves. You have multiple options um, depending on who you are, and that's where we see guys destroy a roster, or they get lucky and they build a roster, but. You know what? It's funny because building a championship is is different for different people. And I'll tell you this: what you were just talking about about selling out and building it, and how I've been able to stay on top is because the fact that, like, when I'll tell you this: the number one thing when you're building a dynasty roster and you're starting off, and you're say you right a non playoff team, right? The thing that you want to do most is minimize your risk. Right. You want to minimize the risk of a bus player, an erratic player. Mm-hmm. You, want to, you want to pay up for guys who are going to get you steady every week. You want to pay up for that consistent guy every week. Now, a guy like me who has a championship roster, I can take all the risk in the world, and it won't hurt me. That's actually what's kept me on top is the fact that I can take a risk. Like Nobody like Justin Herbert. There was two owners in our league who couldn't stand the guy. Slips and stone in the second round. I didn't need him, and I took him. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did like him, and you got him before I could get him. So congratulations. But, um, you know, but I think to your point where, you know, that's where in the second round, and I can't wait until we stop talking draft, but we're not there yet, right? We're in the beginning of the offseason, so, um, you know, what are the bases? It's, it's it's everything because the draft is part of it. Depending on what you want to do, it's funny because like we're going to talk about a lot of stuff that sounds like you know we you know look at like a million things every day, and we have different owners. Like I have an owner who is rarely on, right? And we have owners who a couple of owners who really don't do hardcore off season, right? Well, I mean, I got one owner who's who's won a title, and he doesn't do a ton of waiver moves. He doesn't do a ton of off-season moves till it gets closer to a draft, right? But he does his thing. You know, guys like us, do I look at it every day? I log in and check my news and, and look at stuff every day and look at options and stuff like that. Yeah, but once you get the base and the core, yeah, it all depends what you want to do. If you want to put a ton of effort into it and you like it, it's fun. You can deal with different aspects and look at different combinations of moves, and the draft's part of it. Like, do you want to be a draft pick guy? Like, we have guys in our league who love draft picks. Like, Guys who like want draft picks, guys who are all in on draft picks. So the draft's part of it. And knowing your league, that's the key. That's the hugest thing in Dynasty. 
you got to know your league. You got to know the guys in the league who talk to people. I talk to everyone. People laugh at my leagues. I feel, I'm like, because I talk to people. I'll, I'll text the guy, hey, what do you think about this guy? What's the value on this guy? What do you think? I'll ask around. I'm like, that way I know who these guys like. Like, I can figure it out. And you can take notes. Like, I take mental notes, but I, I can show you, like, hey, this guy like likes quarterbacks. Like, he usually takes a quarterback in the spot in the draft. Like, he likes these kind of guys. Like, so you'll know, be like, oh, this guy's a this guy's a, a Lions fan, so I can get more to trade him, you know, Kenny Gallagher. You know, so those are intangibles that you're talking about right those, there. Those are huge. It's not even intangible. It's one of the things that people miss. You should know your league. So for somebody who's coming up, let's say they just took on a dwarf team or uh and they're getting ready to Is that a dwarf team or is it uh fucking orphan it's a it's a it's a small orphan it's a dwarf uh, <laughs> no no it's most, a, most people it's bad teams sometimes you get a good team you know? so how do you how do you walk in and you know get to know that league well, right i mean when you're talking about first walking in right when you're first walking into a league you're the guy who, and I. It's funny. I first walked in and made a terrible trade in my first pick. I did a pick swap in the first round. Pick swap was three spots, and I couldn't even tell you the guy I got in the pick swap. It was, but the guy who traded up, he he got Adrian Peterson. I got a wide receiver who wasn't in the league two years later. So, I made that mistake right off the bat. But what I did is I sat back and I kind of watched. And I was lucky enough where there was a guy who was similar to me in the league who was super, super active. So he would actually hit me up. And I was smart enough not to know. I was smart enough to know I'm new guy. So everyone's going to try to, like, literally destroy. Everyone's going to try to molest a new guy, right? Everyone's going to try to get one over on the new guy because he doesn't know anything yet. And I was smart enough to realize that and kind of stop it. But I had an active owner who would, like, hey – are you interested in this guy? Like, send an email. Send a trade with comments. Be like, hey, and you just, you know, post it on the website. Hey, anyone interested in these players? Or, uh, you know, post on the block. Like, guys who are active, they'll hit you up and comment. I mean, we have new guys who became, you know, friends in these leagues because of Dynasty. Like, you know, I've intermingled all kinds of groups of friends together who now are friends with each other because of that factor. I'm like, and, you know, go text people. You know, hey, hit them up. Ask them what he thinks. Like, Shoot him an email. Like it ain't hard. And like, but remember his response. Like, remember, like, oh, this guy's really high on wide receivers. Like, oh, oh, this guy's like, oh, what's his team name? Oh, he's the Falcons. And like, look at his profile. Oh, this guy's like from Atlanta. Okay, he's a Falcons fan. Like, okay, he might pay a little bit more for a Falcon. Like little things like that. And the first year in a league, you just sit back and like, look, just pay attention. And that's the first year in a league you should just know where your owners are. Know who All right, about. so let's let's fast forward. This yes. let's say this this orphan team was observing yep. last year. They just got to know their league, and now they're walking into the off season. What are a couple of things that that person's doing to identify? You know, they had a decent decent season. They went, you know, six seven, but. Had some wins, a lot more losses. Um, you know, where? what's the first thing they should now observe within their own roster to figure out what to do next year? Um, 
the first the i mean the first thing you got to look at is is how many holes do i have and am i close enough because it's dynasty like can i win this year i mean if i look at my roster and i have a losing record and i look and i'm like man i kind of need a quarterback like i only got one running back i need i need two wide receivers a quarterback and if i need three or four or five really good starters that's going to be really hard to pull off in one season. You could get lucky in the draft and everything else. You could absolutely get lucky. But that's where I'm looking at almost like, all right, well, how can I build this roster to be competitive and then next year make my title shot? And when you do that, when you have that many holes and you identify, say I have five holes. All right, my goal this year is to try to fill at least like three of those. And then next year, hey, I'll make the, I should make the playoffs this year. Next year, if I fill two more. I'm a championship contender. Well, if you do it that way, you actually might win this year because you might get lucky and pick up those extra two pieces randomly on a, on a waiver wire move, on a lucky draft pick in the fifth round or something like, or you know, get a guy in a trade who someone didn't like and he ended up hitting. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's where you got to address like what your needs are and not destroy yourself and sell like not be like, hey, I need a quarterback. I was seven and nine. I need a quarterback next year, and then you know you go out there and you trade for Tom Brady. Like, don't go do that because you're like, well, I got my quarterback now. I should be good. I'm like, yeah, but it's dynasty. Like, you're not a championship team. If that roster just needed one quarterback, sure, go buy Brady. He might help you win a title. That was a nine and seven team. Sure, no problem. Or seven and six if you made the playoffs. Okay, maybe that was his one weakness. He just didn't have one. Yeah. Okay, you can buy a veteran cheap but you can try to fill other holes different ways and then you got to identify how am i going to fill these holes am i going to do draft picks am i going to do trades am i going to shop around this is the fun time of the season you can do all those things at once you can shop around and you can ask around like maybe somebody's the whole league's low on a guy that you're that you really like and that happens a lot like guys don't like a guy and then or the best is and you've seen this in dynasty and you've done it and I've had it done to me many times where I get a call and be like, I can't stand this guy. This guy screwed me for years. I want him off my roster. I'll give you one. Uh, you, yeah, I know the one. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one. Uh, um, did pretty good in fucking Buffalo this year. Stefan Diggs. It, it happens to everyone in Dynasty because, it, like, you had a guy for years and he just aggravated you. I mean, I did it for years. I mean, Jamal Charles, same thing. Guy got mad because he was injured for years, dumped him, went off. You know, guys have done it to me for years because I'm always the guy who's I'll take the risk on buying someone because it's not a pricey risk. When I talk about eliminating like risk, it's eliminating risk is not giving up a starter who's reliable to take a risk. If you right. a bench player or you know a mid round pick to take that risk, absolutely. But so give up a young potential starter, it's not worth the risk. So to your point, right, I, I think it's one of the reasons where uh, I've had such an erratic team for as many years as I did, and that had more to do with um, me trying to buy guys that were good, maybe could be great, but I was cheap and didn't actually want to pay for them. Or I ended up overpaying for, for a guy uh, who ended up shooting me in the foot. Um, 
And, you know, I, I, I think it's one of the reasons why I actually got rid of Mr. Diggs uh, this year is because he was too erratic for me in the playoffs for too many years. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to sell him. He went up to Buffalo and then, you know, I figured yeah, nobody, nobody saw that coming. They do in Buffalo. And what, what you're talking about is exactly right. Like those erratic players and the backdrop to that a little bit more is you, you had a couple of those guys and those guys are really good. Like we're talking about guys who are top 20 receivers. Like Diggs was always, you know, a, a top receiver in Minnesota, but he would have those games where he'd get you 25 and then get like eight. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and Amari Cooper, same way. Right. Just not consistent, you know, 20, 29. That nine kills you. And then you get 30 and then 12. Like, well, that nine kills you, especially when it's week 16 and you uh, you needed, you know, 12 to 15 to be competitive in a championship game. And, and we're also basing this on the fact that he's probably your number one or number two receiver. If he's your number four, you can probably hide that. Right? But Absolutely. Your receivers, you can do that. I mean... And that's one of the things that I've tried to do a lot, especially with some of those core players. Like, look at my wide receivers. I mean, I had huge injuries this year. My wide receivers are some of the most consistent in the whole entire league. All right. And what makes them consistent? Because even the perfect example is Mike Evans, right, who is the most inefficient wide receiver in NFL history. Right, he's he's touched he's touched on he's touched on dependent. It's like ridiculous. Like he's like the anomaly, right? But. Look, look at even like this year. Like he had game, he had two catches, two yards, and two touchdowns in a game, right? He had another game where he had like two catches, 15 yards, and a touchdown. Like he's getting a touchdown on a bad week. So he's never going to really, really kill me. And on the flip side, a guy like Adam Thielen, right? Even when he doesn't get touchdowns, He's getting he's getting volume. Like he's gonna mm -hmm. catch you six, seven, eight balls, right? He's gonna he's gonna see the volume. And like that that's the bigger thing to me is like seeing that to where it's to where it's more consistent. On a bad week, is he gonna bail me out? Like, okay, he can get me thirty, but is he on a bad week, does he get me at least twelve? Like every receiver once in a while is gonna have a dead week. Okay, fine. But there's a lot who don't. Like that's the thing. Like, what's his floor? You know, for me, like, what's his floor? Like, the safest floor on the board consistently every week. And that's why I don't – that's the guys I identify is looking at those. And I get beat by the explosive guys. Like, those explosive guys can come out and just destroy you on a random week. Absolutely. Those Tyreek Hill guys. Tyreek Hill has been more consistent. But he was he was erratic. Um, he was erratic in the beginning. And what was he, he it? Was, he was. Championship uh, weekend. What did he put up? A ridiculous number. Um, it was. Uh, it was a couple weeks before that. It was in the playoffs. So a couple weeks before that, I forget what week. Where he had he multiple off. touchdowns. He had the most. Absolutely went ever. off. He had the most points ever in our dynasty league. So sixty-five something points he scored in our dynasty. But he he's been more consistent. But he was erratic for you know about a year and a half ago, a year ago. He was erratic where he you know get eight, twenty-two, thirty, eight. And it's like one of those things where, like, those guys, you need those guys. And those guys are fine. But when, when you're playing four wide receivers, I don't want two of those guys to be my top two guys. I want my top two wide receivers to be as consistent as I can humanly get them. 
Julio Jones and other guy, like consistent. You just didn't get touchdowns, but he gets volume, like gets catches. That's fine. I'm like, and that's so. So these guys that you're talking about, yep. you know, uh, are these are these guys that, you know, Mike Evans is 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 a guy who's pretty difficult to get off somebody's roster. No. Is there? He's not. I don't, no. I don't think, I don't, because because he's so inefficient. He's so erratic with his touchdowns. He's the anomaly on my roster, by the way. He's the anomaly because like he he's actually been a couple of different receivers because when it was just him, his target share was through the roof. I mean, he was getting fifteen targets a game. It was ridiculous. He he lived off of volume for years until the last couple of years where Godwin came on, and then his volume kind of went down a little bit. But he still was able to produce a top receiver because he catches big touchdowns. Because he's a red zone threat. The guy's like a touchdown machine in the end zone. Like he just started to go get. Like he's like one of those, he's one of those, you know, Des Bryant, Randy Moss, you know, Calvin Johnson kind of guys where you can just throw it up. And those are the guys who are great to have. They're not super consistent. And Mike Evans is my number one receiver. I do not want. I don't want him as my number one receiver. Because so who is your number one wide receiver right now? Uh, Even if he's not on your roster, huh? That's a that's a that's a really really good question. That's tough. See, I like receiver's volume. Man, I would tell you if Drew Brees is playing, it's Michael Thomas. Okay. Because of the target share, and that's the thing. People look at catches. I look at targets. I mean, look at the volume of targets. I mean, that's that's that should be what you're looking at. Um. Even a guy like Diggs, you went up there. There's a lot. There's a lot of really, really good receivers who are in the league. Um, who people? I mean, if you're talking about number one receivers in the league, I mean, if you look at it this year, it's going to be Devontae Adams, right? Right. One hundred percent. Yeah, Adams had a great year. That's fine. So yeah, you, you'd have to put him right there. And what, what does he get a lot of times? Volume, right? He gets volume. I mean, look at his stat line: eighteen targets. He had a, I think he had a game this year where he had twenty-two targets. Like the volume's kind of there, but even when he doesn't have volume and he only has, say, 8 or 12, he catches a touchdown. Like, he's able to do a little bit of both. And there's certain guys like that. Like, Michael Thomas is like that. Keenan Allen's like that when he's healthy. Um, you know, there's guys in our league who are like that. I mean, Diggs was like that this year. Um, I'm trying to think who else. But so, if, there's, if, there's, if there are these... You know, these players, you're playing four wide receivers. If I looked at your format correctly, you're playing four wide receivers and you're trying to go get one of these guys off off somebody else's roster. How difficult is that going to be? Is uh, people, you know, you, you hear the word, I can't trade him. You know, he's a, he's a non-tradable guy. Are people tradable? Oh, anyone who tells you he's non-tradable doesn't play Dynasty. No such term in Dynasty, and I've done it. Like, I mean, any guy is tradable in the right situation. I mean, guys say that because they get personal, um, but there's always a price where a guy will move somebody. There's always – I mean, we had a conversation where, like, I'm not moving them, and then I'll make you an offer, and you're like, ugh. I'm like, yeah, there's always a price. You know, and, and in Dynasty, you have to listen to it. Like, it, that's silly to say anyone's untouchable in Dynasty because you have to look at aspects. <laughs> I mean, and if a team like me who's making a championship run is willing to overpay a rebuilding team like you, and it happened to you where I 
paid up. I paid up for Saquon Barkley, who didn't do anything for me, and I paid you a boatload of futures, which basically rebuilt your roster for the future. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So not only did that end up helping myself out, right, uh, where I ended up taking multiple picks for Barkley in, in the first round, uh, I was able to um, shift and move. Uh, I ended up getting the quarterback I wanted. Um, I ended up trading away another pick. I ended up getting um, another pick for the 2021 draft. You, you ended up you ended up with draft capital flexibility because you had multiple extra picks in the draft, which is great because it gives you flexibility to do all kinds of moves. And you can you can trade trade down if you're rebuilding, never trade up. Don't ever trade up your rebuilding, and you can learn that. The only crazy guy who trades up is the championship guy, like with the title of baseball. Trading up is always the dumbest thing in the world. So trade back. So yeah, you you took you took guys like you took a guy like Saquon Barkley and and got picks and younger assets, and then gave yourself more flexibility because a guy like Barkley to trade. It's a limited market, right? It's a limited market. It was basically only me, right? There's nobody who's going to afford to pay for him, mm-hmm. right? And trading for a running back for that kind of volume is a risk. You shouldn't do it. You should never trade for a running back unless you're a championship contender anyways. So, but you doing that, now you had multiple pieces that people were interested in. So now you can make multiple moves. It's a chain reaction. And you were able to give yourself, and you, honestly, you know what you did? You gave yourself a year of fun. Because by mm-hmm. you making that one trade... Who that one guy you were gonna to try to shop for months? You were able to get multiple pieces and make so many deals because you had so many combinations. Your head explodes. You're like, "This is awesome! I can do whatever I want." Move up. Move oh, up. I did. that was easily Great. one of the funnest off seasons Great. I've ever had. Great. Um, so, uh, but the flip side was: so you were the recipient of of a Barkley, and you ended up getting out of Barkley. Um. A little bit later on, I mean, you would have obviously kept him if he didn't get injured this year, but he did. So, what? How did? How did you? How were you able to recognize that you had another hole in season to change your to change your outcome? Well, I mean, the hole was always there, and like I said, I mean, a championship a championship team should have only one hole in my mind, and that's actually how I've been able to build my rosters and stayed up top because the only holes I usually have is running back holes, which believe it or not are easy to fill because running backs are, are, are like the literally like the most evil things in, in dynasty because they have a short window and guys take them too high and have too much value on them. And they have the shortest window on your roster. Right. Your average running back is what? Five years, six years, you know, but there's a couple, with exception to like Frank Gore, who plays for 30 years. There's a couple. <laughs> you know, they have that short window where it's like, you know, we all know that window that, you know, once you hit like 30, 27, 28. I mean, look at Le'Veon Bell with 27, 28. Like, you know what I mean? Like, once he went to the Jets, it was all over, though. He had a, he had a little decline the last year in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, though. You got to remember the volume of carries wear these guys out. So they have a shorter window. So like the value is 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 a little bit higher than what it should be, and those guys are only tradable to somebody like me. So when I have a championship roster and I lose a guy like Barkley, right? All right, well I need a running back because I can win if I just get it back. Right? 
That's what I need. Now I got to pay up for it back, right? Or, or, or roll the dice. I mean, I've won multiple titles with like one back. We played three. I've won with like one. You can get away with it, but I didn't have the one and I was able to pay for another one. It didn't win me a title, but it got me where I should have been. So that so, addressed the championship run hole of like in the season where I'm like, okay, I mean, at that time I, I was what, eight and one or something like I. Yeah, I mean, you would you were doing just fine. It was a, a matter of uh, you just hitting the reset button at that point and just going, hey, you know, uh, I got a guy who's pretty friggin' useless on my roster right now. Let me see if I move. And you actually moved and injured Saquon Barkley and got yourself uh, in a combo deal. Um Madison and Cook. I did get I did get Dalvin Cook. I mean, I gave up a lot more than. Of Barkley. course, you did. But again, that's a, that's a dynasty deal that only happens in dynasty leagues. Like a guy like Barkley's dead in most leagues, but in our league, that's probably one of the cheaper prices you're going to get for Barkley when he's not healthy. Like you can afford to take that risk and be like, okay, I'm going to make this trade, but I'm going to get Barkley on the back end. You know what I mean? You can take that. You can take that risk of, and I've, I mean. The running backs who've been traded for in our dynasty league, as long as I've seen, the only people who've paid up for running backs who actually should is people like me and a couple of other contenders. The guy, the guy who's done it, who's a fringe playoff team, who's traded for a back, that never works. You've seen it. You've done it. Because I've been that guy. It never works. The guy with the guy's got two really good receivers, two so-so receivers, one tight end. We play two. And then he's like, "Well, I got, I, I need, I need a running back." I'm like, so, "You don't really need a running back. He's not going to help you right now." So it's funny you mentioned that. I believe it was uh, Gurley was the running back that I ended up um, paying for. Traded up for the number one pick. The only other no, one that that was Barkley. Was that Barkley. I. You're right. It was Barkley. I was Barkley. I was in number two. I traded up for. Uh, I right. went up to the the one spot. Um, don't ever do that unless you're me. Well, you know, you learned that's fine. I, I, I did. It was, it was I, I, I'll be honest with you. Uh-huh. That one move, though, I still don't regret it because really? there was a ripple effect thereafter. Yeah, the ripple effect doesn't matter at all. The ripple effect doesn't matter at all. Why not? Because, because you, the ripple effect doesn't matter to you. Because the fact that you had to pay up for a running back at one and you weren't a championship roster and he wasn't going to put you over the top. So you gave away two assets for one when maybe those two assets would have helped you win the title that year and the one asset wouldn't. Fair. Um, I, I still, the amount of shit that I got last year alone is probably the only reason why I could almost redeem it. And that was, what, two, three years after uh, after I traded up? So, yeah. Um, but Gurley, to, to that point, I had him at number two, fell on my lap. I probably should have got out of the pick, moved it in, to acquire other assets because I now have a Todd Gurley on my roster who died before I ever actually won a championship with them. So it's funny because so that is like one of the bigger mistakes and the probably the biggest key when you're building a dynasty roster 
taking over an offer and even when you draft one, like if you draft one to win a title one year, fine, you don't win and you look at it next year, the biggest mistake people make when they take over bad teams or they're, you know, a, a fringe playoff team or they're a few pieces away from a title is these guys with running backs, like these guys who just get enamored and keep taking running backs that have a short window that doesn't make any sense. Like, all right, well, you just keep in. We have guys who just, I mean, I had a guy who drafted a running back and never won three years in a row, and he's still the worst team in the league. Like, it doesn't do anything for your roster. And they have a short window. By the time they're good, they're they're dead by the time your roster is fixed. Like, in, in Dynasty, the, the guys who should be, you know, trading for top-tier running backs and or trading up for a running back and trading up to one, you know, the market is minimum the market's usually just me who can afford to do it because you shouldn't unless you're one running back away from a title you you shouldn't you shouldn't do it because they have such a short window and they get injured so much more often than every other position and it's tough to get out of them and they have a short shelf life of all right i'm going to use them for you know four years and then trade them well, that's tough because he comes in the league at 22 he's 26 and now he's maybe he got injured and it's like okay well where mm-hmm. why you know those other positions that's why you know when you build a dynasty game i tell people running back should be the last thing you touch running back and then idp maybe running back but you want to mess with idp later on okay you can do that bits and pieces you can piece that together as you learn but offensively running back should be the last thing you you pay for or pay high to go address in a, in a, in a top half draft. I mean, you so, know, get lucky on the back end I mean, maybe you pick up a guy in the second round and you get lucky you know, maybe you get an Antonio Gibson like a guy like a third or fourth round. Fine. You know, you get those guys like that cheap. But to trade up in a first round to get a running back or to pay for a running back when you still need, you know, a wide receiver and probably another quarterback and like a tight end. And these guys, all those positions last a decade. With a running backs in like a, you know, five, six year window, you're passing on a guy you could have for ten years. It's a, it's a huge mistake to be able to make. And that's that's a, that's the learning experience of dynasty. Like, you learn, like, long-term, like, who's worth And we got guys who come to the league who think their running backs are worth the world. And they think, you know, hey, you know, Gurley in his prime. Gurley in his prime. Guy, you know, guy used to tell me that Gurley in his prime three years ago was worth Kenny Galladay, who just broke out. Uh, this is dynasty. Not even close. Not even close to the value because that wide receiver you'll have for, like, a decade – and they're consistent. Same thing with a quarterback. Like those quarterbacks are, are, are pricey once they hit. Yeah, I mean Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I I think I saw got traded. I yeah. All right. So what happened then? Um, I traded him because I got the value. I I traded him after his rookie season. Okay. Um. And I didn't need a quarterback, and I have the ability to trade quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are tough because, like, they have different values. Like, quarter like Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar Jackson is a better example because I drafted Lamar Jackson, right, and then traded him after his first year, right? Guys said, you know, that was a mistake, and you could have got more. And then a year later, an owner in our league who had him. Was like, oh, well, you know, what's he worth? I'm trying to shop him. I said, what do you think he's worth? And he tells me the price. I said, you're never going to get that. I said, that's why I traded him a year before. Maybe he's worth more now, 
but you're never going to see that price. Like no one's going to pay that in a league. That's where you're going to know your league. Like who's going to pay that price? So I got more than I paid for him. Like I paid a second okay. for Mahomes, and I got in return Michael Thomas and and a, and a pick. So I basically got I moved up a pick. Lamar Jackson, the same thing. I took Lamar Jackson in the second round. I got I got first and a second round plus value on him. So. I almost tripled what I paid for both those guys. So those are assets to me. That's the difference. I look at pieces like assets. Okay. They're just movable pieces. But there's always a price. But sometimes you learn to get out of a guy early. Is it wrong? Yeah. No, it's fine. You just take a guy and you move on. And that's the problem is, like, guys like that are so hard to – like, if you're going to trade a Patrick Mahomes right now, like, what are you paying? Like, how many owners can pay that price? Like, you can't pay that kind of price. Uh, I don't. I don't even know where, where to start on a Pat Mahomes trade. You'd you'd have to give up a quarterback, you know, quarterback wide receiver. I mean, I'd have to give up three starters. I mean, I could do it, but I wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, I. I but I mean, know. you're talking a starting quarterback, starting wide receiver, most likely a first round pick to boot. I I would I would, I would tell you this. You're probably talking in the range of like. Uh, a Justin Herbert plus Galladay plus Kittles for Mahomes. It's actually a pretty fair price. Actually, it's a lot to give up. Oh, it's all, it's it's a lot to give three, up, but uh... three starters for one, and it, and it's not. If you were going to say it's Patrick Mahomes, the difference between Herbert, maybe the difference between Herbert and maybe Mahomes is might be like say it's. A hundred points. He gets a hundred points more. Okay, so I lose a hundred hundred points because I hold on to Herbert, but I gain forty four hundred points by holding on to Kittles and Galladay. I'm giving up way more points to get a guy to go up. And it's not. It's not worth. It's not worth it to give up. That's where I talk about taking risk on giving up starters. Like when I make those trades, it's because I have an extra player. Or I can give up a running back. Or I have, you know, a third tight end. Or I have a third quarterback. Like, I have an extra guy to give up. I'm not clearing the deck, giving up, you know, two of my starters, so now I don't have one. Unless it's a running back. And that's that's a, that's why I said running backs are the things you – anyone who tells you running backs are unmovable, you should move running backs out of style. I mean, it was two years ago, I traded three running backs for draft picks in the first round. Everyone thought it was insane. Everyone thought it was insane. I took all the risk in the world, and I won a title for that year. Yes, she did. I'm not gonna lie; it was a uh, it, it, just a ballsy move. It was, it was, but it was, it was running a- back to me. It wasn't. It wasn't matter because it was running backs, and I, I feel like they're easier to acquire, and you can hide them. I mean, I've won titles without them. I mean, if you your team is really good everywhere else, you're running. You're running so backs, not really that big of a deal. So, if you recall, orphan guy, yeah, orphan team. Orphan guy. He's uh he's trying to wrap up his um like he's just starting his off season. Yeah. He's figured out that he's got a couple of holes. Um you know what's he what's he about to dive into um to now that he's addressed his holes or looked at and assessed his holes rather. What's he doing next? Well, the first thing he's probably doing is he's probably doing that. I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy on my roster. I want him off. We all do it, right? That's the first thing you probably do when you're cleaning the house. 
Are you trying to you try to trade away all the stuff you don't like on that roster? Right, that's probably the first thing you're trying to do. Right, and then you're trying to address, hey, all right, so where are my holes? Do I need a quarterback? Does anyone have four quarterbacks? Like, does anyone have an extra quarterback that maybe I can get? Like, well, maybe I can trade up some of the stuff I don't like for an extra an extra draft pick or move up in the draft somewhere. But you got to address how you want to do it. Are you going to go get draft picks and take that risk? Because draft picks are risk. I tell people all the time, like, you're taking a risk. I mean, we've talked to owners who've traded me marquee players like McCaffrey and other big-name players for just straight draft picks. And it's like, oh, well, now if you bust out on those picks, you're done. Like, you got to get a reliable player somewhere in that deal. But if you're cleaning house on, a, on an orphan roster, you're looking to trade, you know, you're looking to trade the guys you don't like. Are you looking to try to see who's good in the league, who's looking at, you know, what position. Um, but even that orphan team, like, you still got to know, like, value. Like, that's the biggest thing in Dynasty is, like, even, like, value. But sometimes but, you don't like a guy enough, you just take whatever you can get for him and see what's out there. But addressing it and then finding a partner who might – I mean, maybe you need a wide receiver and nobody in your league has an extra wide receiver. Well, then you got to go to plan B, figure out where you're going to go from there. But I think you're uh, – I'm pretty positive we could be sitting here all day and just talking about value, right, value on players. So I think that could be a great way to jump on to um, – jump into the next episode, which is going to be episode two. Um, Tom, what do you think about um, how frequently are we going to be sending out um shows the, the the at the rapid rate we can discuss random weird dynasty strategy and stuff you can do we can do this on a weekly basis and just pop out and it's a good excuse for us to talk football for an hour hour and a half whatever we do well football, so it's great god knows we could talk football all day and i i've all i've always enjoyed uh picking your brain trying to figure out kind of um Different moves, different different strategies, um, and and honestly, that's what what this whole show is going to be all about. Um, and it's guys like you who do the same, who help me. Like I talk to everyone in the league. Like people laugh. I win a lot of titles, but I still talk to everyone. I still ask questions. I still text people about stuff. Like I still ask questions because I still learn, and that's the difference. Like I still learn stuff because I still ask questions. So yeah, absolutely, and that's what we're going to try to show people. Hey. This is what we've learned. Try this. It's not going to work for everyone. It's not going to work for your league. Like, maybe your league doesn't work that way. It doesn't run it. But, like, hey, maybe one of these things or two of these things you might try, and it might work. Great. If not, hey, you know what? Something might help. Something doesn't. It doesn't work for everyone. But you know what? It's different stuff out there we like to share. It's a good excuse to talk football. And that's what it's really all about anyway. I think, uh, I think to your point, it's really just – one of the reasons why we went from redraft and and just watch the game as as much as we do anyway to to getting involved uh, um, at the dynasty format because we love the game and want to talk about it. So there's always excitement. Like in redraft, you're 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 dead in November. Like you're dead. Like you're not even you're dead and you're not even alive till like August. In dynasty, like even when you're limited to the playoffs, like if you're eliminated in November. You're, I mean, I had three owners in December, and one was in a championship game. Tell me how excited they were for next year. 
Mm-hmm. The title game, and he's telling me how excited he was for next year. Like, that's the difference in Dynasty. Like, there's always next year. Like, there's, there's a building block. Like, there's guys on a process. Be like, okay, I have something to look forward to. I have this. Like, it gives you that ability in the offseason to have something to look forward to, something to play with, something to mess around with. Like, an excuse to talk football, do different things. That's why it's great in the offseason. It gives you, you know, so much time and flexibility. And, and you can try different things. You can do different things, look at different strategy, and you can make mistakes in the offseason and fix them. That's, that's what's awesome about it. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh, I think that's a great way to just end this episode and, and take us off to uh, – episode two so you know thank you all for listening and uh we'll be talking to you again soon